0: Are you ready to listen to my dad, Joe, and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show! The Joe Mays and j Raf Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which have been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to The Joe Mays and j Raf Show. Boring! A... <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time. With a focus on football.
1: Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20, Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson It is going to use up all the time. The game is over and the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit the Hands-on City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54!
0: Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff.
1: Attention parents and coaches. Do you wish you had a safe social media platform for your youth athletes? Fortunately for you, there's a revolutionary new app that helps with just that. Introducing Small Player Big Play. Small Player Big Play app provides young athletes, parents and coaches a user-friendly sports social media platform. The app allows users to connect with friends, make new friends, create groups, text, chat and post pictures and videos of you and your teammates participating in your favorite sport or activity. To begin, users can simply download and sign up for the app using an email account. Younger users have the ability to sign up using their smartphone and a parent's email address. From there, users can begin to interact and engage with other users of the app. Small Player Big Play app also gives users the ability to live stream full games and events. You can live stream your event so that friends, family, or anyone in the world can see you in action. Users can also share posts from the app to their other social media accounts like Facebook and Twitter. What are you waiting for? Get in the game and share your love of sports with the world. Download the Small Player Big Play app today.
0: All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Joe Mays and j Raf Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and joining me via telephone is my co-host, Justin Raffoff.
2: Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. You know, we've uh, had some nice weather and it's been great to be outside, but um, man, it has me missing sports and I love, I'm always ready to talk about football.
0: Oh, yeah. And we're going to be continuing our 2020 NFL preview here this evening, talking about the NFC. South. We do this little back and forth between the conferences, uh, rotating through the um, compass direction divisions. We always start out West and uh, this week, um, you know, we're on number three of eight. So we are done with the NFC and AFC West. We're on the NFC South. So Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers, and Falcons all on the docket this evening. I do want to uh, mention a quick thank you to uh, small player, big play for, Uh, sponsoring the show as well as uh, May's Sandwich Shop as always and speaking of May's Sandwich Shop we have an email to the May's Sandwich Shop inbox and that would be from my uncle Rich the New England fan he didn't get his predictions in for last week's NFC West so he wanted to chime in with that information and what he thought and also we're going to kick off our NFC South talk by hearing what he has to say about that division. So um, right away here, we're starting off again. I'm going to go through his NFC West and he says he's going with the 49ers at first overall in the West. He says, I know the super bowl losers don't get back to the super bowl, but they can still win the division. He has Seattle in second, the ever improving Cardinals in third and the Rams in fourth. So not a, not a huge difference in opinion. I think it sounds to me like he likes those top three teams. He's down on the Rams. He still thinks Niners are top, uh, Seattle second and the Cardinals third, very, very similar to what you and I had, Justin.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, and it sounds like he's high on the future of the Cardinals. I think you and I are a little high on the present and future of the Cardinals. Um, but I think we just accelerated that a little bit more than your uncle did, but it sounds like we're pretty much on the same page. You know, I know we talked about, we think the Niners will slip up a little bit, but I don't think either one of us would be like hugely surprised if they put together basically off of that defensive front, like that defensive front is good enough to keep them in a lot of games. Um, I think that Seattle's going to put together a special year. I don't really know what makes this year different than the others for Seattle. I just think they start to put it together. but, yeah, I think overall, we're pretty much on the same page, which doesn't always happen with your uncle, but it probably happens more than we'd like to admit,
0: right, right, no, completely agree or 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 maybe more than he'd like to admit. maybe that's a better way to put it, right, right right, yeah, I think you're I think you're right on there. so, um, those were again um rich from Boston or rich from New England, wherever however you want to call, her, and my uncle with his nFC West picks. Now, let's kick off our NFC South preview by talking about what he has to say about the NFC South, and then we'll get into each of the teams and where we think they're going to fit. So, his he says, my heart says Tampa Bay first playing for the Super Bowl, but my head says Saints this year, Tampa next year. So, his picks are first the Saints, second Tampa Bay, and third Falcons, followed by fourth Panthers. So, I I do think um, that's obviously a feasible and um, you know it could very well happen. I think Saints, Buccaneers, Falcons, Panthers wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, sitting here looking at the teams, I'm still trying to figure out what I want want to do overall. One I know. Of the, I know. One of the I, one nice things. It it.
2: I'm like I think this is a sneaky really strong division. Like really sneakily, like I think this is a really strong division.
0: Yeah, I I actually, I completely agree. And and one of the best things to use as a guide this evening was the uh, game by game predictions that you came up with uh, the other week that we kind of debuted last week, uh, last week on the show on episode 307 when we talked AFC West, looking at my predictions using your um, application for the NFC South. I see a very strong and you know, pretty even division, you know, looking back to last year, uh, the Panthers were fourth last year. They were, I believe five and eleven. The Falcons next, or no, the the Buccaneers and Falcons both were seven and nine last year, and then the Saints were thirteen and three. So you know, the six wins separated first and second place last year. I don't see that being the case this year but I'm not necessarily sure it's because the saints have gotten worse. It's just, I think the teams have gotten better or I expect more from them this season. So without spoiling anything, why don't we jump right in? And I believe it is Justin. your turn. You're on the hot seat first with the NFC divisions. So who is your fourth place team in the NFC South in 2020?
2: Okay. So my fourth place team. And again, I I've been wrong on these a couple times already, but, like in terms of predicting what you are going to do. But I think we are going to be the same here. Um, Not to like take it away from your pick and you don't have to answer me right away as to whether it's the same or not, but I'm going with the Panthers in fourth place Um, in the game by game predictions. I had them really low. Um, Like I said, I, I'm using that more as a just guide as to like see like tally it up. I don't necessarily think that that is actually how it's going to go. As you can tell, because we we oftentimes talk about game by game predictions as the season's going on. And I'm not that accurate. Um, so as you can tell, um, I don't know that my game by game predictions will be perfectly. or actually I know they won't be, but I have the Panthers down there because I'm not real confident. I know they're unsettled at quarterback. Um, well, Kind of, it, it they're the production is kind of up in the air at quarterback. That, that's the way I'll, I'll kind of put it out. I, I think, um, they could have some upside there. I think, I think I like the Matt rule higher. Um, part of me is like if the guy can get it done at Temple and the guy can get it done at Baylor after Baylor was not in a great situation, then why should he not be able to get it done in, in the pros where you in theory have a more level playing field with your competition? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily feel that way if he was doing it at like, you know, a school that would have had the, the advantages but temple doesn't really have big advantages when it comes to football. Um Baylor at the time especially did not have big advantages when it came to football. So the fact that Matt Rule could get it done at those places in those times um makes me really confident that I think he's going to get them to where they need to be and I think um the Ron Rivera thing kind of ran its course almost like Andy Reid in in Philly. I think he's the right guy. I think they loved him. I think it was just time for a change there. Um, and so it didn't really surprise me, um, that he left. I wasn't real pleased that he went to the Redskins. Um, but I, I just think the Panthers, and it's interesting because I mean, I'm not talking about overall for their career, obviously, but, you could argue that the best player right now in the division is Christian McCaffrey and he plays for the Panthers but i have him on the worst placed team in in the division um now that's that's kind of glossing over Brady and Breeze but you know at this point in their careers while they're very good i
0: think um right he's the young you gun know. up and coming breakout right. season last year right right so I mean, that's kind of where I am right now.
2: Um, again, I'm going to put them, you said they won five games last year. Yeah. They were five and 11. Yeah. And then the wheels fell off. I'm going to put them at like four wins. I don't think they're going to win very many. I think the division is really strong. I don't see them as very strong yet, but I think Matt rule is going to get them going in the right direction. It wouldn't surprise me if they do much better in the second half of the year. Um, Especially when you look at the craziness that it has occurred, this is like a nightmare scenario for a new coach. You know what I mean? Um, and especially new to the NFL because you have nothing really in place, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got a off season of pure chaos. So, um, I I think I think Matt Rule is going to get it right there. I think it's going to take some time though.
0: I, I can't say I disagree with you at all, because I have the Panthers in fourth place, so we completely agree on that. They were 5-11 and last year. I don't, despite what I may have entered in your week-by-week analysis, I don't think they're better than 5-11, and I just think there is too much to overcome. They are 5-11 and a year ago. Are they better on paper now than they were a year ago? I, I think it's tough to argue that they are, but... There are a lot of areas that I think could end up being better, which is why maybe I was a little bit more um, bullish on them than I expected. I I predicted them in the week-by-week analysis to win 7, but I think I'm going to pull back on that and and sit right there again at 5 and 11. I think they'll have some success, but they'll have their growing pains, and you mentioned it, Matt Rule coming in, his first – uh head coaching job at, in the professional leagues he did very well at Temple and Baylor and they're not exactly historically strong programs although Baylor had their moments a few years ago before issues sprung up off the field but still to be able to do what he did at both those places shows that he has some uh you know chops of being the top guy and he surrounded himself with some uh assistants and players from his days at both of those, um, higher level collegiate stops. And, you know, he, they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to be their guy. He played very well in the relief of Drew Brees in new Orleans last year. He was a high round draft pick. I mean, a while ago now, it's amazing how long Bridgewater has been in the league, but when the Vikings took him at the end of the first round back in, I want to say 2014, um, yeah, yeah. He was kind of the heir apparent there. And then he went through that gruesome knee injury and bi- missed what, two years because of it. H- he ends yeah. up down in new Orleans for a couple seasons and people are still pretty high on him. And this is a great opportunity you know, well, yeah. for him. And, and it's that, that's, that's the only
2: reason I give pause to it because I'm like, well, I don't think they're that great. And I don't know that again, it's tough because they I feel like they've got the best weapon, individual weapon in McCaffrey, but I don't, I just don't know that they're going to get it done offensively. Um, and I, didn't they draft
0: every, every player they drafted was defensive, right? Uh, I believe so, and and that was one of the points I wanted to make. Yes, they want tackle, end, safety, cornerback, safety, tackle, cornerback, all defensive. And they had a very strong draft, especially at the top, very much like their first three selections. Uh, At seventh overall, Derek Brown, big tackle out of Auburn. Uh, He's going to slot right in there. Uh, with Kawan Short who's always been a great player and probably a little bit underrated um, but a a solid player to have right there uh in the middle of your defense Short and Brown that that's a great duo one two punch and then they got Gross Matos in the second round obviously we're huge fans of your tour from his days at Penn State um they're pairing him with uh, Brian Burns uh and, and a nice rotation at defensive end so I think their defensive line which was one of the major reasons Wow. Nearly over 15 years ago, while they were really strong in the early mid 2000s is the strength of their defensive line um, way back when. And and they're kind of getting that going again now. And then late in the second round, pick 64, they got a small school safety, Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. And I thought that was a wonderful pick because the secondary is where they could use some helps. They also recently signed Eli Apple. And, uh, they brought in on offense, they brought in Robbie Anderson to go with underrated guys and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And you already mentioned, you know, what is it to say about Christian McCaffrey? He's just absolutely been a stud his first few years in the league. Um, maybe not as strong at tight end. And I don't know a ton about their offensive line. Um, you know, they got the, the Ole Miss Greg Little there at one of the tackles and Russell, Russell at the other side, um, not very familiar with their interior guys. I know the names. I just don't know who slots and where and what the depth chart is like in Tyler Larson, Matt Prattis, Chris Reed and Michael Schofield. Um, I may be even missing guy there, but uh, on paper, I don't think it's an awful group, but it all comes down to quarterback play. And while I, I'm a fan of Teddy Bridgewater, when you're in the division you're in, it's tough to say that he's not, at the bottom of the rung be, just because of what's yeah. in front of him. I mean, I, by no means, do I think Teddy Bridgewater is a bottom, you know, third of the league quarterback. I don't think he's, you know, 20 to 32. He's probably, he's a top 20, top 15 guy possibly, but you're also right. in a quarter in a division with quarterbacks by the name of Brady Brazen Brady, Breeze and Ryan. Uh, it's not exactly, um, you know, it's a little bit of a murder like, row there. Right. Like, and I don't mean this
2: like, as like a personal knock, but like, for example, if you were to put him, if you were to put him in like and compare him to like AFC East quarterbacks, for example, and I only say this as like a preface of like, Tua hasn't played yet. You know what I mean? But like, just, you know, if you're putting in like um, Fitz magic there in, uh, in Miami, like, you could argue that he's maybe like the top quarterback in the AF, you know, if he was in the AFC East. But in the NFC South, yeah, I think I was, like right now, I'd have to put him in the same spot. I'd have to put him at four right now.
0: Right. And, and, and context and location are everything. And he just doesn't have it in the NFC South right now. Now, check back in two years. Things could be massively different uh, if oh, we my would goodness. see Brady, Breeze, and even Ryan hang it up or move on. So right. all of a sudden, if they, you know, bought low on Bridgewater, uh, which I'm not necessarily sure that they did based on the contract that I think they think that he's a, a pretty good option to be there uh, for a number of years. Two years from now, you know, they could be entering 2022. He could be the top quarterback in the NFC South. So, you know, you're at the, the first year of Matt Rule's rule. And, you know, let's see how things go. They could be set up well for the future if they continue to draft well, which I think they did this offseason. So while I have them and you have them going, you know, about four wins, maybe five wins, a duplicate of last year, I think Carolina is the worst team in the NFC South, but I think they have a, a, a bright future in front of them as long as the Bridgewater acquisition works out. All right. so. Who's going to be my number three? Who am I going to put in third? It's a really tough call because months ago, I before the way before the draft, I think before free agency, this may have been, honestly, this could have even been before the Super Bowl. I don't remember when it was. But I remember saying that I thought the Atlanta Falcons would, I don't remember if I said win the division or just make the playoffs, but I had them as a bounce back team. Um, they won 7 and 9 this past year but they had an awful awful start. Uh, I believe they started was it 1 and 8 or 1 and 7? It was just it was very very bad. Let's see if I Yeah, they were 1 and 7 entering their bye week. Uh things were not looking good and then they won 6 of their next 8 uh including over the 49ers, um the Buccaneers to end the year the Saints coming out of the bye. Uh so They 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 were very good in the second half of the year, and I just thought things were going in the right direction for the Falcons. But looking at the acquisitions that have happened since then, and just I I feel like I can't go against Drew Brees. The Saints have to be there. Um, Unfortunately. And it doesn't rule them out of the playoffs because especially with that extra wildcard team. But I do have the Falcons finishing third now when all is said and done. I really wanted to get them into the top two. But I feel like realistically, I don't know if that's an option. When I predicted... uh, when I predicted this game by game using Justin's spreadsheet, I came up with initially eight wins for them. But I actually, since I'm bumping the Panthers down from seven to five, I have two games to give and I'm going to give one of those to the Falcons. So I have them improving from seven and nine in 2019 to nine and seven in 2020. And that'll put them right there on the playoff bubble. I wasn't Overly impressed with their draft. They thought they reached early for the cornerback from Clemson, AJ Terrell at 16. Uh, Not a lot stood out to me in in the draft at all. So that was a little bit of a downer because I really thought um, the Falcons could make some noise uh, this season. But I've come around over the years on Matt Ryan. Uh, They've added... Todd Gurley and if if he's healthy and he can prove that the Rams made a mistake that would be absolutely huge for them but their wide receiver group you know Julio Jones, Calvin R- Ridley and now they added LaQuan Treadwell and I know he didn't do a ton in Minnesota but he has first round pedigree and had an incredible college career uh if they can get him going uh, watch out that is a a brutal three wide receiver set oh and they also have Hayden Hurst now at tight end Um, so that was a a great get to uh, surround Matt Ryan in the twilight of his career with more offensive weapons, but I don't know something about the way they finished last year. They were very hot. You know, if one or two games break the other way at the beginning of the year, they would have been on the playoff bubble last season. So I just think the Falcons, maybe if they had a better off season, especially draft, I could have given another win or so and had them second in the division, but because of, uh, basically strides that the Bucks made and um Drew Brees returning to the Saints, coupled with Atlanta failing miserably with their uniform overhaul. I, I just can't give them any more wins. So nine and seven, third place for the Falcons in twenty twenty.
2: Yeah, I actually am going uh in the same the same direction there. Um I'm going with Atlanta number three. Um I kind of in the same boat as you I I think there's a lot of pieces there and I I want to think that they're going to kind of continue some of that mojo they had the second half or at least at the end of last year uh where they got on a roll but I just I feel like I I don't know why actually I don't know what it is about Atlanta but I feel like the big thing for me is that I don't know that I can put them above Tampa or put them above the saints. Like when I look at it, you know, you you listed all those offensive weapons and I don't know that their offense is any better than the, the Buccaneers in terms of the weapons, you know, like the wideouts and things, you know, like, um, you know, even if you have Julio Jones first and Calvin Ridley is incredible, like they're both really good, but you have, you know, you have all those wide receivers in Tampa. So I don't even know that they're the best group of wide receivers, even though it's an incredible group of wide receivers. Um, And like you said, the girly thing is really interesting. Um, But, and I know injuries have been, have been an issue for the, um, for the Falcons at running back, but they had running backs, you know, they had uh, Freeman and they had Coleman and they couldn't get it done then. Now, you could argue they made it to the Super Bowl, but they didn't give it to the running backs when they needed to. Um, but like it just, yeah, it, it's one of those where I think they're going to be good. I just think they're in a tough spot, and I don't think they're good enough to get over the hump and, and beat the Saints for the Falcon or not the Falcons. The Saints or the Buccaneers uh, for one of those top two spots. Um, I'm going to put them at eight wins just because I think, um, I'm going big on the saints and Buccaneers to have really good seasons, but, um, you know, I could see them at nine, like you, I think where you had them and I could see them battling for that, like extra wild card spot. Um, but I think they're going to be inconsistent. Um, and I just don't quite have them overtaking the saints or, or the Buccaneers. So, um. Yeah, I I think they're just kind of in a really tough spot right now.
0: All right. Well, we agree on four and three. You get to hit us with your number two. Let's see if we're in complete agreement in the NFC South. Justin, who will finish second in the South division of the NFC in 2020?
2: All right. So taking a page from the Joe Mays uh, book of years past I'm gonna drop the Saints to number two all right I'm gonna go with the Saints at number two and it's not so much like like I I kind of view the Saints and the and the team left um as as very similar um I think they're gonna have great offenses and I think the defenses will be able to do enough based on the help they get from the great offense um I I feel like it has to fall off a little bit at some point for them. Um, and I think that fall off is more likely for Drew Brees because of the lack of weapons that they have around him compared to the lack of weapons that, or not the lack, the, the abundance of weapons that Tom Brady's going to have. Um, now, I'm not... You know, I, I kind of overlooked him as a weapon, as a wide receiver, but uh, Michael Thomas, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Um, and you know, that's great, but Kamara's in the backfield. Kamara had by his standards, I know it's been a short career, but a down year last year, um, certainly inconsistent, drastically inconsistent. Um, and I I think you're just going to see there's a heavy reliance on them. Like I know there's been a lot of talk around here specifically about Taysom Hill this off season, Uh, his name getting thrown around a lot because of the Jalen Hurts pick. But when, when Taysom Hill has to be a a key part of your offense, I I think that speaks more to the fact that you don't have those other guys. Like, um, you know, you, you look at the, what the Buccaneers have, and we'll get to them in a bit, but man, you can just, they've got playmaker after playmaker. And I, I feel like the saints have two. you know, not counting the quarterback. I mean, like guys who the quarterback can get the ball to, I feel like they have two guys. Um, and I, I know that that's probably discounting some guys and their performances and things like that. But if I'm stacking them up, I think the Buccaneers closed that gap. I think what was holding the bucks back, Um, was consistent quarterback play. Um, You know, Jameis Winston puts up great fantasy football stats because he throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns a lot, but he also throws three picks every time, you know. So um, that's not going to win you a lot of football games, but in fantasy football, it's fine. Um, I don't think you're going to get that with Brady this year, and I I think Arians being there, I think, not Brady has that edge. They all do, but like, I, I feel like this is going to happen for them. Um, and also because I don't want it to happen. I think that's, that's a, that's a big part of it. So, (laughs) so I'm going with this number two.
0: Sure. Sure. I, I, I got it. I, I completely understand. And, um, You know me very, very well. We've been talking sports for the better part of, I mean, at least 15 years. You could probably argue it's closer to two decades now. Uh, It's really ramped up um, over the last decade plus easily. And we know that I've been having issues with the Saints incorrectly, I might add. (laughs) I have not been correct on any of that but there's always something about teams that win the off season or get super hyped up that always gives me pause and i think it's because it never seems to pan out i feel like the teams that make these splashy moves or are kind of everyone's like oh i think they're going to be a sleeper it never works out i mean last year it was the browns right they were the big they were the big team that was yep. going to happen, but you and I were both and, like and, no. Right. And we should and
2: everybody should have known because it's the
0: Browns. Right. Right. And in years but in other years it hasn't been a team with the history of the Browns. Right. And I was just like, yeah. "Let's pump right. the brakes here." And I feel more often than not on a team like that the "quote unquote sleeper team that everyone apparently is on, which how how are they a sleeper when everyone is is thinking, "Oh, they're going to be great." Um like that was Jacksonville a few years ago. Before they ended up going to the AFC Championship game, there was a few years where everyone was like, "Oh, watch out for Jackson! Watch out for Jacksonville!" Then the year no one talks about them, they make the AFC Championship game and were you know minutes away from making the Super Bowl. But right, it just always seems to be a team every year, or every other year that. People think is this they become this like sports media darling and they end up doing nothing and people are just like oh man I can't how did why did that not work out so I feel a little bit about that with Tampa Bay this year because uh, you know the 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 Brady thing then you look at the stocked offense and you're just like wow how could they not do that but we saw the Browns incapable now obviously. Tom Brady is not Baker Mayfield, but you understand where I'm coming with the comparison that everyone was talking about what the Browns had put together on offense, that they could overcome other issues. And that just wasn't the case. So I look at Tampa Bay in a similar vein this season, and I'm just thinking, man, everyone's talking about them. You know, the um, EA has been going through their simulation with the checkdown and Tampa Bay, uh, I believe Tampa Bay's in the Super Bowl. I think it's Tampa Bay Baltimore. Is their Super Bowl matchup? And I believe that was supposed to be Sim tonight, but they pushed that off. So, you know, even even EA, you know, the new Madden game, is already saying Tampa Bay's going to the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of heat with them, and I understand it with Brady and Gronkowski going there versus what they already had there. You know, and and a coach that everyone seems to really like, and he's been a proven winner. He did it in the desert, you know, which is tough to do. I don't know. It just, Tampa Bay is just a tough one. But I really can't get off the one of these years, New Orleans is going to falter. So I'm putting New Orleans at number two. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought you were convinced you're going the other way. I
0: know. I know. Perfect. Right. I know. I, I have New Orleans uh, finishing second, dropping from their 13 and three season in 2019 down to 10 and six in 2020. Uh, it just, I, I don't know. I, I, is there a rhyme or reason behind it? Who knows anymore? I and I don't I really don't hate the Saints. It's just I feel like every year I'm like they're gonna take a step back, Drew Brees is gonna lose it, or they don't have enough around him, or the defense is just too bad. They always prove me wrong. So maybe this is a great thing for New Orleans. I mean, I'm saying they're going ten and six. It's not like I'm saying they're gonna only win five games. I just I don't right. think they're going to win the division this year. Obviously at 10 and 6, they're likely to make one of the wild card spots. As with them adding an extra wild card, I just don't see how 10 and 6 New Orleans wouldn't make it. But once we get through all divisions, we'll figure that all out. But for now, I have New Orleans second place in the NFC South this year at 10 and 6. Uh, you know, Drew Brees is coming back, which is obviously a huge win for them, especially with Teddy Bridgewater gone. I, I don't really care what anyone says about Taysom Hill. He's not Drew Brees. So I, that would not have been, if if that would have been the change, if they would have lost Brees and been rolling with Taysom Hill, I definitely would have been dropping the saints down. Uh, I probably, put him I probably put him in
2: third or fourth, honestly,
0: at that point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think He's Drew Brees probably, may be worth probably, four wins. Yeah. I, I don't, and I, I really don't think uh, that's a that's a stretch at all. Um, now they did bring back Malcolm Jenkins after he spent plenty of years in Philadelphia, but he originally was a Saint. Uh, of course, he is. Uh, towards the, the end of his career, I don't know how much tank he has, uh, gas he has left in that tank. Uh, I think a great signing for them was to add Emmanuel Sanders though. Uh, he had a great season with San Francisco and I think he did, could do wonders with Drew Brees. And they have Jameis Winston in that quarterback rotation too. I mean, what a what a quarterback room they have down in New Orleans now with Drew Brees, one of the best to ever do it. Taysom Hill was an amazing slash player. Jameis Winston, who has seemingly matured and has a lot of talent, but also can learn, and he's going to New Orleans to do exactly that. He checked his ego at the door and said, I want to be a quarterback in this league. I want to be a starter eventually. Again, I'm going to go and learn from one of the best. So kudos to Jameis for doing that. And then they drafted Tommy Stevens late, and he's another guy that could be a future Taysom Hill-type player if he can stay healthy and they allow him time to develop. So an interesting quarterback dynamic in New Orleans. Again, I just, well, I, I should say, Their draft, very, very small in players, only four. I mentioned one of them, Tommy Stevens, in the seventh round. They had no picks in rounds four, five, or six, but their first pick was a home run and one of my favorite picks of the draft. Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, I desperately wanted him to go to Miami. If you guys watched our live stream of, of the NFL draft's first round, you heard me mention Cesar's name a couple times, hoping he would be there for the Dolphins to pick. And the Saints ultimately, I believe, traded up to get him at 24 and i was very disappointed but i think that is a slam dunk home run pick for the saints and they also got an underrated pass rusher in zach bond from wisconsin in the third round as well so didn't have a lot to do on draft nights a few months back but i think they did a very good job of finding great value uh you know when they did make a selection so uh, not a ton else to say about new Orleans, but they are going to be my second place team in the NFC South this season. And I have them at 10 and six. So that means Justin, uh, you and I are going to be exactly the same in our picks for the NFC South in 2020. Cause my number one team is going to be Tampa Bay. Uh, and before we dive into just dissecting the Buccaneers here in the last few minutes of the show, uh, I do want to also point out, um, or mention my dad's uh, selections for this season, and they are identical to ours. He actually goes Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina. So a lot of agreement that we think uh, it'll probably be Tampa or New Orleans with Atlanta next up and then Carolina bringing up the bottom. This may be the first division. I know it's we're only on three of eight, but um, there's a little bit more of a mixture between you and I and the the our our, our our parents or my uncle or the other listeners that have chimed in. There was a little bit more jostling the first two weeks out west, but a lot of agreement on what's going to happen in the NFC South, which probably means the Panthers will win the division this year. Hey, what, and you know what? If that means Tom Brady doesn't win the division, I'm okay with that. <laughs> You're good with that. That's that's fine, right? Uh, I can't yeah, say I it's disagree. Like
2: years, it's like all those years when we were like, you know, uh, we're picking the Patriots, we're picking the Patriots, but we'd love to be wrong, and we just weren't.
0: But like – We still were right. Um, it's just – yeah. Right. right. We, I wish we would have been wrong. Right. Exactly. All right. So, Tampa Bay – uh, you know, a unanimous number one with the two of us. I, I think my uncle wants it that way, but he had just bet and went with New Orleans. My dad says Tampa Bay as well. And, you know, I kind of already touched on them a bunch uh, of why I don't think it's going to happen because I think they're being, you know, everything's being blown up about the Buccaneers because of, of Brady and, and Gronkowski to a lesser extent. But they were quietly seven and nine last year. They're deep, much like Atlanta in the second half of the season, Tampa Bay's defense came on in the second half of the season and we touched on that in the past talking about Tampa Bay as a destination possibly for Brady because the defense was showing massive improvement and they had so many offensive weapons and well, we were right on all accounts they ended up adding Rob Gronkowski to that. Oh, and then in the draft they just had one of the better drafts in the NFL especially at the top of the draft where it kind of matters. They got Tristan Warfs at 13. My top offensive tackle he ended up being the fourth tackle taken and i think he's the best one of the group from iowa they traded up um with uh was that san francisco i think to get him excellent pick they can bookend him with donovan smith and uh eventually he'll be protecting um well depending on how long brady's down there he only signed a two-year contract but um could eventually be the left tackle in Tampa Bay. Then they got one of my favorite players in the draft safety, Antoine Winfield, who terrorized Penn state last year in the defensive backfield for the Minnesota golden Gophers. They got him at the 45th oh, overall already, pick.
2: We already know that this division is famous for bad non-pest interference calls. So Winfield should fit right in. So. <laughs> I'm, I, not, not that I'm still bitter. No, that no. is a great pick. I, 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 I joke about that, but that is a fantastic
0: thing. Yeah. When when they went Worf's Winfield, you know, get the Big Ten flavor down in Tampa Bay and positions that they needed and just players that I absolutely loved. And it was just killer. And I like Tampa Bay. Like I'm a but we've talked about this in the past. I know Justin, you've got a sour taste in your mouth because of what happened with the Eagles years ago. But I always right, was a big that, buccaneer that's the guy. Right, that's the one that you always say, that's the original uh, Super Bowl that the Eagles should have been in uh, with the chance to win, but I was always a Buccaneers guy, I loved Mike Allstott, John Lynch, um, and that that group, and a variety of quarterbacks, you know, they, they were doing just crazy stuff down there, uh, fun group, they won it with Brad Johnson, Um but the Bucks were so much fun, you know, early 2000s. And, uh, well, this season they're going back to essentially those uniforms and they're welcoming in a team that has a real chance at um you know a division title if not a conference title and maybe even a super bowl title. We'll see what happens. But Justin and I both think they're the best team in the NFC South. Um, last touch on the draft before I let Justin give his two cents. Uh, watch out for a running back Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt. They need a running game because they've got plenty at quarterback and wide receiver uh and offensive line. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin absolutely amazing one-two punch for them there uh and then tight ends you know, i i it's amazing to me that they have Brayton Howard and we're still able to and wanted to get Gronkowski but when you can get a generational talent like that even if he is you know at the end of his career uh break Gronkowski and Howard if they can figure out how to roll those guys out there with Evans and Godwin at the same time i'm not really sure how you stop it but it was in the running back, you know, the backfield where the question marks were because they let Peyton Barber go. But they have Ronald Jones and adding Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. I think he's a little bit of a a, a quiet um, guy that could maybe make some noise this year on a potent Tampa Bay offense. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie from Vanderbilt. But. Like I said, their defense was getting better throughout the year. I expect that to happen this year. Levante David is one of my favorites at linebacker in the NFL over the last five-plus years. And I think uh, with a rejuvenated and reinvigorated offense, um, with Bruce Arians leading the way, I think their defense will continue to click like they did the last six to eight weeks in 2019. And Tampa Bay, to me, first place, finishing tied with New Orleans at 10-6. and
2: Okay. Um, I'm going to put them at like 11 wins. Um, you know, you, you hit on a lot of the pieces there. Um, Vaughn is a great running back and I like that you brought that up. Um, I had him actually on my college fantasy football team last year and he was a stud in the sec, um, playing at Vanderbilt. Uh, so I, um, I, I like that pick for them. And I like that you pointed it out because that is a great, pick up and i you know there might be a bit of an adjustment period there but um he's gonna i think he's gonna fit in really well um like you mentioned the weapons are insane here in tampa and i know there's a lot of hype and i know we're usually negative on the hype but like i also look at like who has who as a player has handled hype better than tom brady you know like honestly i don't know that in, in football, I don't know that anyone ever has um and at least re- in recent years you know like they they were picked to run away they were picked to win the Super Bowl basically the Super Bowl favorites every year and they just went on in about like won it like one you know one out of every three years or every other year kind of you know it i I feel like he bringing. If he is able to instill that kind of attitude and mentality in Tampa, that's that's a scary bunch. You know, you you look at what he did with the weapons, or you could argue lack of weapons at times in New England, and to give him all those weapons would be would be kind of scary. Now I we've talked plenty on this show about how the lack of weapons story in New England is kind of overblown, um, in in my opinion, but. it, it it will be interesting to kind of see what they can do. Um, that defense will be tested in this division. You know, uh, we talked about the Falcons. They're no joke on offense. The, um, the saints certainly are no joke on offense. So a defense is going to be tested and it'll, it'll be interesting to me if things aren't clicking right away, you know, if things aren't clicking right away in Tampa, like what kind of noise will that create? Um, But I I I just everything tells me over the last you know almost two decades of watching Tom Brady like I'm not betting against him like I'm not doing it and I I know Drew Brees is there but I feel like with the weapons Brady has I'm certainly not betting against him so if I've got to pick one which is what we're doing here I'm picking them and I think they're going to win 11 games and I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFC South.
0: Yeah, and I I completely agree with you. As much as the New England offense struggled last year, and I've been a detractor of Brady in the past, and now it's been the far, far past, because his first handful of years in the league, he was not a good fantasy quarterback. And I know that doesn't mean anything with winning on the field. They were winning, and that's all that matters if you're a fan of the team. But in terms of individual performance, Tom Brady was not the sole reason that the Patriots were winning and winning Super Bowls. It was almost after they had won, what, three and five years or whatever it was, three and six years, that he all of a sudden took his game to another level. And then you had him joining forces with Randy Moss. And that's when he finally really, really broke through up until that he was a pedestrian fantasy, individual performing quarterback, obviously huge team results, but he had a breakthrough and it really just clicked. And all of a sudden now he's, you know, obviously one of the greatest of all time and plenty would put him right at the top. I just, I don't think he necessarily was the problem. I know some people thought that he had lost it a bit last year. I just don't think there was a lot of options. And I don't know. I I just think when you surround him with the talent that Tampa Bay has, he's going to, he's going to make some noise and he's going to really put pressure on Drew Brees and the New Orleans saints. Now, if Tampa Bay struggles offensively this year, well, then you maybe need to start reevaluating things and say, what's the problem here? Because, you know, not saying Jameis Winston's a better quarterback, but if Tampa Bay struggles this year offensively and you look at Winston's numbers, what he was able to do, not counting the interceptions, you know, if Tampa Bay struggles to put up points, maybe Tom Brady has reached the point where he's not as effective. I'm not ready to say that but, yet. Let's wait to see what happens this season.
2: Listen, I the the, the most Tampa thing that could happen would be that the Brady thing doesn't work out very well. Like, even, let's be honest, anything short of a Super Bowl is kind of a bust on this thing for Tampa, right? Like, I mean, you get Brady, like you said, by many people's standards, the, the greatest of all time. If you don't win a Super Bowl, like, is it, I don't want to say, is it worth it? Because they got him in free agency. They didn't have to give anything up for him. Um, but, like, for it to not produce a Super Bowl at the same time as Jameis Winston being like groomed into taking over a division rival, you know, like I, I just feel like that's the most Tampa thing that could happen. Um, but when I look at it from a what is the most Justin fandom fandom thing that could happen, it's the Buccaneers are going to be awesome because Tom Brady's there and I don't want it to happen. That's the most right. likely thing. To happen.
0: yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, there you have it. That is what we think will happen in the NFC South in 2020. We both are in complete agreement. Buccaneers 1, Saints 2, Falcons 3, Panthers 4, Tampa Bay, obviously, division winner. They're in very high likelihood that both Justin and I have New Orleans in the playoffs, Uh, and for me at least, Atlanta is going to be a bubble team. We'll see what happens when we get to – you know, draft or excuse me, season preview eight here in, uh, another month plus when we're uh, wrapping things up with the AFC East and we do our playoffs and Super Bowl predictions. Falcons could be in for me, but we will have to wait and see about that. So Justin, any final words, any things to add before we wrap up?
2: Um, not really, no.
0: Any shout outs or anything to mention?
2: Uh, yeah. Congrats to, uh, all graduates, but specifically the Wilson class of 2020, I know it uh, was a, a crazy last uh, quarter of the year, um, but I thought the school and class of 2020 did, a, did an incredible job um, making the best of an unfortunate situation and had a great graduation uh, experience last night.
0: Absolutely. Completely agree with you all around. I saw great things, heard great things. And more importantly, the graduates seem to be very, very happy with how it turned out. So congratulations to Wilson High School's class of 2020. And like Justin said, all of the graduates in, in the high school and college around the country going through um, just interesting circumstances surrounding uh, the end of their high school and college careers. But we uh, we uh, hope for the best for all of you and and, and good luck. So we're going to wrap up here with uh, an ad for one of our sponsors, Small Player Big Play app. Um, So make sure you visit smallplayerbigplay.com and download this app, Meant for Youth Athletics, on the Apple and Google app stores.
1: Ever wish there was a sports app just for you? Introducing Small Player Big Play
0: app, the all-sports social media app for young athletes. Live stream events for your friends and family who can't be there. At home or at work, they can watch your streaming on their phones or on TV by using a mirroring device or AirPlay 2. Download the app from the App Store or Google Play and create an account using a valid email address. That's it. Now you can find friends, join groups, or make new ones. You can upload and watch your own
1: content for free. Watch YouTube uploads for free. Even more streaming options are available with our subscription plans and in-app purchases. Download the app and start sharing with the world your passion for sports today.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to episode 308 of the Joe Mays and j show. Uh, I do want to say before I sign off, I'll get, to, I'll say it again next Sunday, but I'll say it here as well. Um, happy birthday to my buddy Brent, celebrating this week, and especially uh, a warm and a happy birthday celebration to my youngest daughter Haley, who is turning five this coming Saturday, uh, as well as her uh, her second cousin Kylie. So uh, a lot of birthdays uh, in June, and just want to make sure that uh, we point them out. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Haley's definitely one we don't want to miss, and I'm going to say it again next week too. So thanks for uh, joining us for episode 308. Uh, Have a good weekend. Everyone uh, stay home and stay safe if you can, and uh, we'll be back next Sunday to talk about the AFC South as we continue our 2020 NFL preview.
1: That's a wrap on this episode of the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop. You can watch each weekly episode live on Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to the Maze Sandwich Shop inbox at JoeMazeandjraf at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network, home to other productions such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time.